Oh, amen. I'm so thankful for a time of worship. I put my faith in Jesus. Great is the faithfulness of God. God has never failed us. God has never left us or abandoned us. God is faithful in love and faithful in mercy. Great is our Lord God. Uh, I'm thankful for Kai, Chris, and uh, Juliana. Uh, so, it's uh, May 16th, and uh, on this day, we are actually having our first in-person uh, church service in the building. We've got information up on our website, cityharborchurch.com. For those who are ready to have in-person church service, that is going on, and we want to make sure that you are aware of that. We're here for you. We want to be helpful to you if you still are in the process of learning about coronavirus and what's going on. We've got information on our website there, cityharborchurch.com slash COVID info. Uh, we've got information there. We've been uh, taking counsel uh, from uh, medical professionals. We've had a team of people that have worked very hard to establish some safe practices. Uh, but in it all, our priority is that we love God and our love for God also gives us a love for each other. And it's our love for each other that has motivated us to try to do the best that we absolutely can do to make safe uh, opportunities for us to get together, for us to uh, be focused on God, receive love and healing from God. And so we have, we're, we're in a phase where we've got in-person options and virtual options, and those are going to continue. And I'm so very thankful for a church family uh, that has worked hard to make that a reality. Thank you, everyone, who came out May 15th for our grocery distribution. More than 500 boxes of groceries in the community. Uh, what a joy it has been uh, in order to, to, to be able to do that. We're so very, very thankful for that. Uh, coming up this week on May 19th is the birthday of Pastor Rebecca, the love of my life, my wife of almost 25 years. Happy birthday, Rebecca. Uh, this coming up this week. I love you so very much. Every day you change my life for the better. Every day I am honored and thrilled to be your husband, to be committed to you for all our lives. I am so very thankful for your example of faith, of love, of compassion, um, of servant leadership, of, uh, you know, you are brilliant and you are humble. And I'm just so very thankful uh, for you. So happy birthday this week to Pastor Rebecca. Uh, you feel free to reach out to her and share some love with her as well. Today, I'm going to title our message, We Are Praying. We Are Praying. And I know that this is a subject that has a lot of different thoughts and emotions to it, prayer, um, and might cause you to feel different ways. And what I want to do today is bring to light uh, what do we learn from Jesus what do we learn from the people who were with Jesus? What did they do in response to what they saw Jesus doing, to what they saw Jesus teaching? Because what we know is that God showed us love through Jesus. He showed us love through Jesus by making a way for us to be forgiven of the mistakes of our past, to be cleansed from it, so we don't have to walk around with guilt or shame uh, or, or approach God through legalism and, and, and a guilt motive and, and trying to earn something to earn God's love, trying to do something that we can prove we're worthy of God's love. That's not 
the relationship with God that he desires at all. He sent Jesus so that we could receive um, a sacrifice for our sins, receive forgiveness, receive spiritual cleansing, and to be freed from our toxic selfishness. We don't have to think that way anymore, live that way anymore, walk around with that, but we can receive the love and the grace of God. It comes with a new heart, a new spiritual life, and the hope of heaven. And the people that we are reading about here as we turn to um, Acts chapter 2, they were real people like you and I with real problems, with real strengths and weaknesses, with real challenges where they lived. But they found in Jesus a miracle of life change, of the things I just mentioned, of this new grace. And they had been in cultures with a lot of uh, religious activity and all the things that maybe you have experienced as it relates to um, religion and, and um, outside people, maybe trying to c- control behaviors um, or guilt or shame or feeling inadequate. They had lived with all of that, but in Jesus, they found something entirely new that gave them joy, that gave them fresh motivation. And they heard in Jesus this call into a close personal relationship with God. They found in Jesus that it was possible to have an encounter with God, an interaction with God, that God was welcoming them into, inviting them into a personal relationship. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, a relationship that was life-giving, that was encouraging, that was exciting, that was motivating, where they didn't have to just rely on themselves. And and it wasn't just about their own lives, but that God, the giver of life, was already at work doing amazing things. And so there was something better to live for. There was something more to live for that was more exciting. And that's what they had found to be true. And so let's have a look at the story here to learn about how they responded to Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Now, Pastor Ben, why are we having a look at this? Well, we're having a look at this because we have had, um, after more than 13 months of not meeting in person, something that I haven't done for ages, we have this fresh opportunity to seek God, the most creative being in the galaxy and reimagine what does it mean to be a church family and to be creative about what we do and to make sure that what we do is meaningful to us, that we believe in it, that it has purpose, that it is life-giving because we're connected with what who God is and what God is already doing. But if we're going to a place of allowing this total change in what we've been doing over the last more than a year, It would be a shame for us to just create things totally out of our own brains when the most creative being in the galaxy has already given us truth and already given us patterns to follow. And I think there's lots of things that people think about when they hear the word church in what that has come to mean for them that actually we don't find in scripture. 
But I think we do find a lot of stuff in Scripture that are lessons from people who heard Jesus themselves and how they responded that are things that we really should take into consideration. So let's just, we talked about kind of the context of what's going on. So these are people that are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. They form a community because of this salvation, following Jesus' instruction. Um, And in forming this community, they became active learners. And we get this word devoted, which is what they did. They chose to be devoted to a few key things, right? The apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So this devoted word, right, to continue to do something with intense effort. Despite difficulty, to devote oneself to, to keep on keeping on, to persist in. And fellowship is one of the things that they devoted themselves, koinonia, which means participation, sharing with a close bond in relationships where both parties are giving and receiving. This is a descriptor of what being around them was like. This is They made intentional decisions to share in the spiritual journey, to share in life. And that's something that we really should deeply consider when we think about how we should respond and what our church family should be like and how it works best according to clearly how Jesus instructed them to live. Now, come to today's topic. We are praying. Why are we praying? What does that even mean? How does that work? Why is it hard for me? Why do I hate it? Why do I have uh, some kind of different conflicting emotions about it? Well, so let's talk about it a little bit. Prayer is, um, it's, it's personal communication in response to God. And in, in this, what's happening is you have... Uh, you were born with a certain awareness of God, and through your life, through experiences, through learning, you come to know God. And in prayer, what we're we're trying to do, we're seeking to respond to God, we're seeking to connect God. And our definition understands prayer as a response to the knowledge of God. It means that prayer is profoundly altered by the amount and accuracy of that knowledge. Calvin observed that we are that we all refashion the sense of deity to fit our own interests and desires, unless through the Spirit and Scripture our view of God is corrected and clarified. What he means is that we have we're born with a certain innate um, desire to be in relationship with God, an awareness of God uh, that's common to all people, but at the same time. Um, God chooses to reach out to us to make salvation available to us. And if we are part of spiritual growth where prayer is meaningful, interesting, life-giving, exciting, interesting to me as an individual, it isn't going to go very far if I don't learn about who I'm actually talking to. I'm going to stress pray. I'm going to be confused, frustrated. I'm going to be trapped by my own thoughts and emotions if I don't really learn about who God is. And so that's a really important part about it. Um, And and we see that when we receive salvation from God, this gift of God, this new birth, right, uh, that is talked about in John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, through Jesus, that's a moment where an awareness of God is really expanded. But also, 
the Spirit shows that we're not simply God's subjects, but we're also his children as we have a conversation with him as God. We see that in Galatians chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. So, prayer is this conversation. It's an encounter. It's relationship moments. It's interaction with God. Um, interaction is really important. You know, for seven and a half years, I had a job where I was traveling more than half the year. Uh, Rebecca and I were um, still relatively new for in the first 10 years of our marriage. And uh, when I started the job, we didn't have any children. And I love my wife. I love being around my wife. We've known each other our whole lives. We were very close friends before we started dating. And there is nothing I enjoy about being away from my wife. I love being with her. And in having a traveling job, seven and a half years where most of the year I'm not with her, that was terrible. I hated that. And so every day we would talk on the phone. Uh, Talking on the phone is not the same as being together. But we had to make do. We had to make relationship moments, interact with each other. And it was challenging. And, you know, coming up um, August 31st this year is our 25th wedding anniversary. And But there are times where I think because of that seven and a half years of only being able to talk on the phone more than half the days of the year, it feels like we haven't been married quite that long uh, because of the difficulty. Now, in in some ways, we really grew stronger through it, um, but it's it made for me it made relationship moments, interacting with each other, talking with each other, listening to each other, really precious to me, really valuable to me. Um, you know, distance making the heart grow fonder. And in the same way, what prayer should be is a conversation, interaction, relationship moments between you and God. And what we see throughout the Old Testament that Jesus models is personal, private prayer, one-on-one between him and God, but then also group prayer, getting together with others to pray. We see that throughout the Old Testament, and Jesus modeled it. Um, group prayer sometimes is called corporate prayer. Not like business, but a group of people, corporate prayer. And so the followers of Jesus, they noticed how Jesus prayed, and they were observing, and they asked for guidance, they asked for help. And in that section, what you see, and we see this in Matthew five sixteen, and Jesus often withdrew in the wilderness for prayer, and then we see other examples where he went in for group prayer. So when they're asking him for guidance, and he starts to talk with them, Matthew chapter six verse six, what we see is Jesus saying basically, have some frequent, private, personal prayer time with God. That's what we see him say. And then in verse eight, what he says is, don't. Essentially, don't repeat words that are meaningless to you. Don't just babble on. Don't repeat words that are meaningless to you. Thinking that that repeated activity is going to get you somewhere with God, is going to get you what you want from God. Don't do that. And then he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. We see that in Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew and Luke chapter 11, this pattern for prayer 
for something that they could use to help them pray. Something that we really should memorize, reflect on, help us be able to use it in our own conversation with God. So we, what we see in this, in the book of Acts, in the description of how the people that were with Jesus learned from Jesus, how they responded to him, is very clear description that prayer was seen as vital, as essential, as an important expression of their faith in Jesus as their Savior. And so we shouldn't be surprised that they're gathered in, in the upper room, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, they were constantly devoting themselves to prayer. It was a big deal. So let me just give you some quick um, description of how we see that in the book of Acts. We'll have the references um, in the notes, cityharborchurch.com slash messages, um, and on the screen here. So Luke gives considerable attention to the role of prayer in the early church. First, he refers to the prayer of individuals, such as Stephen, Saul, Peter, Cornelius, and Paul and Silas. Now, second, he records time of group prayer among the believers when they selected uh, Matthias, uh, when they prayed for Peter's release from prison, when they commissioned uh, Paul and Barnabas, when they appointed elders to certain churches, uh, when Paul said farewell to the Ephesian elders um, and to the church in Tyre. Um, and and we, we learn from it, this was a priority to them. And what I'm suggesting is the things that were priorities to Jesus and his followers should be priorities to us. But why is this challenging? Well, it's challenging for a bunch of different reasons, right? We're humans with a, with a human nature. Uh, we tend to focus on the things that we can see right in front of us, which is mostly the temporary world. Uh, we're really good at getting distracted, which might be why uh, Jesus kind of describes us as sheep. Uh, but also the reality is that uh, we experience pain. And when we are in pain, it's hard to receive love. When it's hard for us to receive love, it's really difficult for us to trust God and definitely difficult for us to believe that God is listening when we're talking. Have you ever experienced that? I'm not really sure God's listening. Well, let me bring up a few verses that I think will help us with that. Psalm 34, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. Let me say that again. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits were crushed. From 1 John, we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. John who walked with Jesus, John who had a, a revelation of Jesus saying, we're confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And we're learn, learning to pray can be challenging. The wonderful thing is that we also know that God, the Holy Spirit, is available to help us. Check this out from Romans chapter 8. Maybe something that we should be thinking about this week. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example... We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows that this, what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Maybe you've heard that last verse before, but never thought about it in the context of those verses about prayer. And those verses about prayer are directly talking about when things are difficult, when we don't even know what to say, that God the Holy Spirit is with us in those moments. That God the Holy Spirit has desires for us, plans for us, cares about us, is already at work, and, and that it's about a close personal interaction where God the Holy Spirit is helping us. We're not left on our own to just struggle and strive, but if we will tune in to the Holy Spirit, we can be aware of his comfort, his leadership, his guidance, his advocacy, his help. We can be aware of that interaction. It should be a close personal relationship, interaction, relationship moments with God. That's a part of what's being talked about there. And we can't believe that God is working together all things for good if we're not in that kind of prayer relationship with God. These early believers, they believed in being devoted to prayer. They practiced it. They taught it. And they taught it to new generations of leaders. And that's why we get the following verses. The following verses were... Uh, give, inspired by God and given as instruction to this new generation of believers in new cities. From Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Does that sound familiar? We have this same call to, to devotion. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. From Ephesians, Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You see that thread of devotion. You also see the truth of close personal relationship with God and it being a constant, a daily, a regular activity and that it it engages your whole person, your intellect, your emotions, your decision making and your spirit, right? From Philippians, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. That one deserves a lot of attention. But again, what what are we seeing here? Making a decision, being devoted to it. Mental decisions, what what I'm doing with things that I'm worried about, anxious about, right? And gratitude, we see that in there as well. 1 Thessalonians, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Hey, you've received salvation, forgiveness from Jesus, new spiritual life, and now we're walking out this close personal relationship with God, and it happens through a devotion to prayer. And what comes with it is an ability to be joyful, an ability to be thankful to God, But again, never stop praying. There's devotion, there's a constant, there's a decision in it. From 1 Timothy, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, praying for others. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. It's amazing. So this relationship with God 
aspect. Don't think that you're God. You're not the one that does the heavy lifting. God is. But yet a decision to be devoted, to be committed, to be moving forward constantly in prayer and gratitude is included in this directive to be praying for other people, not just ourselves. Okay, so this could be good, right? So, but what are some questions that we should be asking ourselves? Well, I think if we're going to be honest, we really do need to be asking ourselves, is prayer a priority for me? And we might like just kind of check the box in our brain or we've talked about it, heard about it. We've heard other people talk about prayer a lot and we felt a lot of agreement with it. And we would say, yeah, it's a priority for it. But like, is it really a priority for you? So the truth of the matter is, is that when we investigate how we've spent our time, energy and money, we see what our real values are. Is prayer a priority for you? Are you really putting energy, time into your relationship with God, with relationship moments, with interaction? Is prayer a priority for you? Do, for, for me, do I view prayer as a conversation with God who is already interacting with me? Do I really have an understanding that God is already talking with me inviting me into a conversation with him so that there's already some momentum there. There's already, there's already some momentum and some involvement there. Is that a part of my perspective? Okay, so I hope we take some time to, to reflect on those questions. What should we do about all this? Okay, so Jesus prayed, his followers prayed, they prayed in different ways. What do we do about it? Well, here's what I'm recommending, okay? Number one, have a conversation with God today. You. You, you, you and God. See, Pastor Rebecca and I, we pray for you. But I am not you. I cannot pray to God as though I am you. I can intercede for you like we read about. I can pray for you, uh, for your needs and and for what's going on in your life. I can pray that you will be able to uh, be aware of the presence of God and want and enjoy prayer and get involved in it. But when I pray, it's not the same as you praying. It's not the same. Only you can thank God for your salvation for yourself, right? Only you can talk with God about what you're going on. Only you can ask God to reveal his plan. Ask God to reveal where he's already at work. So have a conversation with God. Now, I know this can be uh, immediately laced with a lot of different emotions. So here's what I'm also suggesting in this number one, have a conversation with God today. Just confess where you've been wrong. If you feel any guilt about it at all, just confess where you've been wrong. Confess it and then receive God's forgiveness. Don't walk in shame. Don't walk in guilt. There's an enemy of your soul that is a a voice in your ear that wants to get in the way of your relationship with God. That is not God. God is not a God shaming you. God is a God who calls you to confess where you've been wrong and turn away from it. So that you could receive his forgiveness and his help. If we're not confessing our wrong and receiving forgiveness, it's not receiving the help that God has already sent our way. So have a conversation with God today. Confess where you've been wrong. Receive forgiveness. Ask for help. Say, God, I need help in prayer. I need help to grow in prayer. I need help to make the right decisions so that I even have a chance for prayer. 
confess where you've been wrong, receive forgiveness, ask for help, make a fresh commitment to be devoted to prayer. In your conversation with God today, just say, God, here's where I've been wrong. Please forgive me. And I receive your grace. Thank you for your grace. And I'm making a fresh commitment to be devoted to our conversation, to prayer time, to interaction time. So that's my first recommendation. Do that today. Number two, make a plan for the where, when, what, how, and why that you're going to pray tomorrow. So after your conversation with God today, then sit down, have some quiet time, and make a plan. Where are you going to pray tomorrow? When are you going to pray tomorrow? And I hope that you would choose a time and a place where you're not going to be distracted and where you're going to have the best of your energy. It's really important. Where are you going to pray? When are you going to pray? What are you going to pray? Are you going to use the Lord's Prayer? Are you going to thank God for your salvation? Do you have a list of things that you're going to pray about? Where are you going to pray? When are you going to pray? What are you going to pray about? How are you going to pray? Is it going to be relationship moments? Is it going to be a conversation? Is it going to be an interaction? Are you going to start by listening? Are you going to start by reading a verse? How are you going to pray? And why are you going to pray? Do you believe the verses we read today that God is listening to you? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God desires to hear from you? Why are you going to pray tomorrow? Number three, and this is really important and maybe one of the things we want to do the least. Communicate with at least one other person in our church family about your prayer life. This is where we really can be a strength to each other, an encouragement to each other, and where we can have positive momentum and not live in a culture of guilt and shame. When we're just honest about it, hey, if we are following the examples of the people who follow Jesus, fellowship means we're sharing in this together with equality. In a culture of equality, in a culture of peace, in a culture of, hey, let's share this spiritual journey together, conversations like this should be life-giving, they should be encouraging, they should be helpful. It's not where you, you focus on telling the other person what you think they should do better or different. It's definitely not a conversation that should include guilt and shame. It's a conversation where there should be some transparency, some honesty, some dialogue where we can help each other, where we can give each other creative ideas, um, and where we can check in with each other about the process. I think if we will do these things, you will quickly get some help from God and get some help from other people to just grow in this prayer conversation with, with God so that all of a sudden you realize, whoa, I'm devoted to prayer. I think it's possible. I know it might sound foreign. I know it might be new to you. But listen, we are praying. We are a church family who prays because that's interacting with God. And because what we have found is that it's life-giving. It helps us with fresh perspective, good perspective. It brings us peace when there is great difficulty. It brings us joy um, in the face of mourning and suffering. It helps us process what's going on in life. It helps us draw spiritual strength from God. And so now we have abilities we didn't have before. This is possible. It's possible for you. Can I pray for you today? God, I thank you so very much that you saved us because you love us. I thank you so very much that you hear our prayer. I thank you so very much you sent the Holy Spirit to guide us in these truths, to help us in this conversation. So God, we just confess where we've been wrong. We ask your forgiveness. 
We receive your forgiveness. We're asking you for help. Help us grow in our conversation with you, in our determination to be devoted to be in conversation with you, in our awareness of you, in learning how to put out distractions. Help us to grow in an ability to receive your love, receive your help, and open up to you in ways like we've never have before. I thank you, God, that you care about us, that you are helping us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for participating in this today. Remember, we are out there on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We've got stuff posting every day that you can share with somebody else that you know. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.